this fucker is not a poet. If he's if if you call him a poet, that means nobody is a poet. You cannot call him a poet. It de- it destroys the status of every other writer. Well, okay. Let's let's backtrack a little bit here. So can you can you tell me where we are and where we're going? <laughs> we're on our way to the Byron Bay Writers Festival. So last night you met someone who who didn't really agree that poetry should be performed and seem to be of the opinion that it belongs on the page. I overheard the statement that uh, someone made, which was that prizes, competitions and awards in literature destroys writers. You know, because I run the Poetry Slam, I thought I would bring up an example of how winning a prize can change someone's life. I brought up an example of a 17-year-old from Karawa performing his poetry at the local Writers' Festival in Albury, getting his video up on Facebook and 13,000 people viewing it, and then him getting invited as the festival guest. And when I said that, the person sitting next to me said, that person will never be invited to my festival because all performance poetry is doggerel. If they have not published, there's a reason for that, because it's shit. I write. I write not to fight, but to love. I write not to fight, but to love. Hi, I'm Tegan Nichols. Welcome to the start of our story. In May 2017, I got a call about a gig from a guy named Miles. My name is Miles Merrill. I'm a writer and a performer, and I direct a literary arts organisation called Word Travels. The offer was to tour around regional New South Wales in a minivan with a bunch of poets to document something called the Australian Poetry Slam competition. Where people get an opportunity to perform their writing, tell their stories, perform their poems, basically do whatever they can with words, and then we try and create professional platforms for people who are performing their writing to be heard. Uh, so, from we, Byron Bay yeah. to Albury to the Sydney Opera House, our crew would be following the highs and lows of artists from all over Australia, from the heats to the national finals, where one lucky individual would be crowned the Australian Poetry Slam champion. Was I interested? Of course I was. So early one August morning, me and the poets, you'll meet them later, left Sydney to her winter and flew north to meet Miles in the warmth of the once hippie hangout destination where this tale begins, Byron Bay. And that all hand baggage is securely stowed. Remember, the crew is here for your safety. Since 2007, the Byron Writers' Festival has hosted the Byron Bay Heat of the Australian Poetry Slam. Um, poetry is always an important part of the festival. People in Byron love poetry and they... And That's the voice of... Edwina Johnson, director of Byron Writers' Festival. The Byron Slam is a free event held in the Byron Bay Library, while the rest of the Writers' Festival takes place mostly during the day in a field just out of town. The slam happens at night, 
in the town centre and opens the mic to the first 20 people who sign up to perform their work. It normally draws a pretty lively crowd. I have to say, every year people come up to me and tell me that it was their favourite event. Um, even participating writers will say to me, you know, I, I didn't really get slam poetry and then I went to this event and now I get it, I love it. You know, they're very drawn to the performance element, the fun and the, the emotions that can be drawn out by seeing people up on stage. It's, it's a real privilege to watch. It seems pretty clear why the Byron Slam would be a popular event of the festival. There's something generally exciting about live performance, because, let's face it, a lot can go wrong. With the pressure of a time limit and being judged, literally, by your peers, anything can happen. Poets can forget their words, their jokes might not land. Their success is wholly at the mercy of their audience, and audiences like having that power. What's not to like about a poetry slam? Well, as you heard at the start of this story, not everyone thinks so. On day one of the tour, Miles tells me of an encounter he had the night before in the communal area of a guest house where he and many other artists from the festival were staying. He'd met the director of another writer's festival, who'd thought that... Anything that she'd ever seen from performance poetry was just rubbish and that it had no place at a literary festival and that um, certainly... When Miles raised the case of a young slam poet whose work had gotten 13,000 views on YouTube overnight, the general response from the writers present was... This fucker wants to call himself a poet. This fucker is not a poet. If you call him a poet, that means nobody is a poet. You cannot call him a poet. It, de- it destroys the status of every other writer. So, you know, that to me was, was quite shocking and, um, you know, made me question the gatekeepers once again. You know, this director basically went, well, you know, they're great. there's great writers. And then there's the rest of us. And the rest of us are just audience, you know. It was surprising to hear this, particularly in Byron Bay, where the vibe was one of expression and inclusion, not division and elitism. But it got me thinking about whether adding a competitive aspect to art does in fact cheapen it, and whether the world is actually made up of those who we call artists and... Man, there's the rest of us. I decided to put the question to our poets. But first, if you've never been to a poetry slam before, this should bring you up to speed on how things work. Just in case, just in case you don't know the rules, two minutes up on this stage, your time starts from the very first word. And yeah, if you go one second over two minutes, you do lose one point, don't lose one point. You're gonna get a score between zero and 10 from five judges in the audience. No costumes, no props, must be an original piece of work. And I reckon we've crossed all the things. So it's judged by randomly chosen members of the audience. So we throw five things out into the audience. Whoever catches a thing becomes a judge. Give our first judge a big round of applause. And that could be soft toys, or it could be condoms, or it could be chocolates. By the way, you guys really got ripped off, because usually we throw, like, lollies and chocolates, and you get plastic. <laughs> you, you get plastic cutlery. We stopped doing condoms because somebody got hit in the eye with a condom, and we were like, 
uh, ring the public liability and tell them that someone got hit in the eye with a condom at a poetry reading. And, um, yeah, that was a difficult call. Fortunately, it was just above the eye. They didn't take the eye out with the condom. Anyway, um, kids shows. Two winners from each heat will go on to do it all again at the state final, and if they're good enough, at the nationals. Over a 1,000 poets enter the competition every year, but each year there's only one champion. I wanted to be a singer when I was a kid, and then I realised I couldn't sing at all. <laughs> There's always kind of this tug towards perfor- live performance. And poetry was kind of like, oh, this is, this, is, this is it. This is the thing that I've been kind of looking for mm. the whole time. Hi. <laughs> My name's Ariel. I do poetry. Um, One of the poets on our tour was Ariel Cottingham, an Afro-Latina woman from San Antonio, Texas. Ariel won the Australian Poetry Slam in 2016. Come, let the wind slam all the doors in the house until the tantrum ends and I will still be here, clinging to a microphone by the teeth, hoping to say something memorable eventually. And why are you so angry all the time, Ariel? Like, the whole idea behind Slam in the first place was to sort of take poetry back out of the ivory towers of academia and like back into like the hands of the people and slam is a very effective way for marginalized voices to get themselves heard because like these gatekeepers they aren't interested in like the voices of the young and the marginalized and so I think performance live performance and specifically performance poetry and poetry slams are a really important way for marginalized artists especially to like get their work out there when there's no other options and also there's something like there's something lost between the page and performance I mean everybody knows like text messages are a great way to misunderstand someone's meaning because sarcasm doesn't read for example you don't get the same level of intent from the written word that you do from like the author of those words speaking them and performing them as they were meant or as they believe they were meant to be performed and heard. People definitely get a deeper sense of authorial intent when the author themselves are performing their own work. Take our pens. We will shout our poetry into every hurricane history hurls at us for we have always shaped history the way the moon shapes the tides no matter how invisible it seemed. We're such a competition-driven society, especially in Western societies. Um, And I think SLAM has done an excellent job of sort of, like, capitalizing on that aspect of, like, enjoying competition. Like, sports are a huge driver of local and national culture. Like, that element of competition, I think, appeals to a lot of people, whereas, like, oh, art wouldn't necessarily... I think adding that layer of competition to art, like, oh, does it cheapen the art form? That's way up for debate. But in the meantime, it is making art accessible to people who otherwise wouldn't necessarily have access to it in the first place. I grew up in a small country town called Yenda. And Yenda has a population of about 900 people. I think they've cracked 1,000. I was there recently. The sign got changed. 1,010 people. My name is Zohab Khan, 
and I am a performance the only poet. Rhyme schemes be A A B B and A B A B and A B B A, but that's just not my way. It's just that I prefer A B H and A and A B T Z K. Since winning the Australian Poetry Slam in 2014, Zohab has made a life touring the country and the world with his poetry. As a career poet, I asked what he thought of the comment that performance poetry is dog roll. <laughs> um, I think it's, it's hogwash. That's the best word I can think of right now. Um, of course, it's a legitimate form of poetry. Just because something's written down in a book doesn't mean that it's, it's necessarily better than something that was spoken on a stage one time in a random little bar in Newtown. Both hold value in our society, both make changes in our society. There's plenty of words in books that aren't necessarily that great, you know what I mean? There's there's so much within our own history in Australia that perpetuate stereotypes or ensure that class structures and racial structures stay in place. And that was held in high esteem once. And should we still be holding that in high esteem? I think literature and the artistic process is is fluid. It's constantly changing. And that's why writing is so powerful that it allows you to better understand yourself and your place in this world, you know, and that's why I encourage everyone to write. I love just, there's something about performing to a live audience and like, being able to like hear their reactions and see the reactions on their faces and it's kind of like I don't know it sort of like reaffirms like yeah I exist and I matter like and like I have something important to say and like obviously it's important because these people right here in front of me are responding to it and really fostering sort of that human connection and Making my way to the Byron Slam, through the buskers and the tourists, it seemed like the whole issue of whether slam poetry is legitimate or not was nowhere near as black and white as some might like to think. In fact, it seemed to be somewhat of a David and Goliath issue. An issue that was really more about power and privilege than poetry. Still a little riled from the comments of the night before, our crew weren't really sure what we'd find at the slam. But there was only one way to find out. As the poets arrive for the slam, a local musician sets the mood. Pretty soon the crowd settles. And my fantastic assistant. The first poet's name is drawn out of a hat. All right, Mantis, please bring Mantis to the stage. Make him feel welcome with a wild rectangle of applause, please. And the slam kicks off. Is in living small, not having everything you see at a mall. I recall my only goal was to have a peace of mind. Not Judas and Dyer. Poet after poet step up to the mic. Some with a serious message. In a white coat with a stethoscope in that needling, wheedling voice. But of course... Others 
not so much. This is a tribute to all of the people stuck up in Maynam during Cyclone Debbie who didn't have access to beer or cigarettes. I like you, of course, because I'm stuck up here with no power, no beer. Debbie, with some disco, my thoughts would be clear. Wow, okay. Uh, that's all right, that's all right. Um, so how do we say judges in French? Each poet is scored, but the judges can only pick two to go to the state finals. And as it turns out, there was an interesting story behind the poem that won second place. She told me that she wished I could be more like my poetry. And I, t- and I told her my poems are just a pulse. They're not my heart. What I should have said is, I'm sorry that you fell for the web of words that I've learnt how to weave. I have a real gift at breaking down someone's belief system and rebuilding them in my image because that's what gods do. <laughs> and I've got that complex. Kind of like those women that... Here's the poet, Josh. Cool. Can I yeah. say something about that poem? Yeah, sure, 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 sure. So that poem, like, that was about a breakup that's been, like, really elongated and I was kind of negotiating with my ex. I'm like, look, you can't come tonight. I can't get in the zone when you're here to do the poem. And then they called her up to do the music. And I'm like, fuck, she's just going to be here regardless. So she was here anyway. Hey, so, yeah. I suppose that's just what happens when it's festival time and you're living in a creative hub like Byron Bay. But the top pick of the night was a piece by a poet named Sam about a topic that goes to the heart of every woman. Or rather, the chest. Breasts. My breasts were wanted. Baps, boobs, bazookas, bosoms, chichis, dairy pillows, flesh bobs, gazungas, hooters, melons, mountains, molehills, moo, cuckoos, mammary glands. My breasts were an apparent exhibit for Mr. Woodwork teacher, Mr. Sunday preacher, Mr. Scout leader, Mr. Lay reader. Hey, Mr. Your wife, you missed her. My breasts were the subject of an unsocial media ban. My breasts were wasted on my husband, the bomb man. My breasts were not a vagina. Have you tried? Best left for porn. My breasts made sense when my daughter was born. My I find that being an average-looking, lower to middle-class woman, I'm not really heard much in society. And so I'm always writing about feminist gender kind of issues just because that's what makes me most angry I suppose and and it's the experience that I feel that I am in the most if that makes sense. Perhaps interestingly the winner of Byron Bay was not only a slam poet but a writer of the published kind. I write fiction uh, novels I've written five books that have been published by Alan and Unwin Poetry, though, I tend to stick to the spoken spoken word just because that's just what I like. The thing that I like about slam poetry is that there are no rules. You know, you don't have people sitting there in the audience saying, oh, I thought that was supposed to be an ode, but it sounded more like a sonnet. Or, you know, I, I like that, that, that the structure doesn't really matter and it's more about the feeling that you create. So what does Sam think about the current state of poetry? 
Is it going down the tubes? Oh, no, it's not dead. It's having a massive resurgence thanks to SLAM and thanks to technology and social media and people um, being able to access it in a mainstream way. And snobs might say that, that that's not great, but I think poetry for the masses is an awesome thing. I had no idea that people even still like read poetry to each other at all until I was 18 and discovered like poets who performed in slams on YouTube. I'd like to just continue to be able to express myself as best as I can in history. And I feel like I have a lot of work to do still. You know, I'm a student. Social media has allowed poetry to absolutely blow up in different ways. Everyone's doing it a little bit differently. Even to use the example of um, Rupi Kaur, she started off as an Instagram poet and now she travels the world. I think she just sold a million books. That's like unheard of in the poetry world, you know what I mean? That's barely heard of in like the literature world. Byron Bay had a lot to offer and to add to the conversation about slam poetry. I think Miles summed up the essence of the form when he said, What are we as writers if we're just elevating ourselves to this high position where we can only be called artists and the rest of the community has to bow down before us and can never reach our unattainable, you know, Tower of Babel? But Byron was just the tip of the iceberg. There were still many more towns to visit and many more poems to share. Next stop, Maureen, New South Wales a six-hour drive west into the heart of regional Australia. You can just put the seatbelt behind you. Yeah. Cool. Well, we're leaving Byron Bay right now, where poetry was good. <laughs> See the quality, the quality of my rhymes. Bye bye Byron, hello Maury, six hours down the road. Bye bye Byron, busting it to Maury. Mm. Get gone. Uh, uh, go on, give, give me a beat. If you give me a beat, <laughs> I will spit it. Word Travels Fast is produced by Word Travels in partnership with All The Best, with sound production by me, your host, Tegan Nichols. A big thanks to all the poets who featured in this episode. To hear more episodes, visit wordtravels.info or subscribe to our podcast on iTunes.